Let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for the word. We pray now for the Holy Spirit to both convict and encourage us through your word, exalting Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're entering into a new sermon series. It'll lead us right up to before Palm Sunday, and it's called Follow Me. In this series, we're going to explore some of the things of what it means to follow Jesus. Now, in the last series that we did, What Does It Mean to Be a Christian? I said that there is a lot of confusion around that question, what does it mean to be a Christian? You got all sorts of different answers. There's a lot of confusion on what is the gospel. There's also a lot of haziness and vagueness in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So, while I'm not looking for an answer this morning, I would be curious what you would have to say on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And you can write that down in your notes if you so desire. What does it mean to be his disciple? Is there a difference between the two? Now, by no means are we going to answer these questions all this morning. In fact, that's what the series is about, being a follower of Jesus, being his disciple. And the reason we are doing this is because it is very clear that Jesus has given a command from the very beginning, follow me. And his command to the disciples at the very last part was make disciples, So why are we doing this? It is very clear because Jesus has given us a command, follow me and make disciples. Our path this morning is actually going to be really straightforward. We're going to take a look at four parts. We're going to take a look at why. Why should we even care about this? What are we to do? Who is to be a disciple? Who is to be a disciple maker? And how are we to do it? So, Why, what, who, and how. Let's go to why. We're going to go to our text this morning. Matthew 28, starting with verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So the background is Jesus has been resurrected. He's instructed the disciples to come to this particular mountain in Galilee. It is the 11 disciples because Judas was not with them. Judas who had hung himself, who had killed himself because of the great shame and guilt he had in betraying Jesus. So they are there with him. Now remember, they have been there with him for three years. They have traveled with him. They have learned from him. They have seen him performed many miracles. But they also saw that he had died, that he was buried, and then rose again. And yet they had, he had, Jesus had appeared to them. Now, when they got to the mountainside, what did they do? They worshiped him, didn't they? Because they knew that he was not simply a man, but the very Son of God, God himself. Because who else is worthy of worship? No one but God. 
For them to worship just a mere man would have said that they were blaspheming before the very feet of Jesus. And yet, even though they worshiped him, some doubted. That's kind of hard for us to wrap our heads around, but really put yourself in their place. He had been, they had been with Jesus. They, they saw the miracles, but then he had died. He rose from the again. They were still trying to piece it together. I mean, there are some people here today in this room who have a very strong faith and there's a certainty of who Jesus is. There are also people probably today who are still wondering a little bit and are questioning and wrestling and grappling with things. And so that we, they have doubt. We shouldn't believe that they didn't think Jesus wasn't God, but they were still trying to put it all together. There's that faith and doubt that sometimes go hand in hand with people. It is the same thing when Jesus first appeared to the disciples. If you look at Gospel of Luke, verse 24, it says, and as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? There's that, the reality of Jesus versus what the human capacity can take in. So on the mountainside, Jesus comes near them and he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, it is important that you not let that phrase pass by. That you must really take in that phrase, because if you let this phrase pass by, I guarantee you, you will minimize and probably let the rest of what he has to say pass by. For in these words, Jesus speaks of his power and his majesty. If you have your Bibles or if you're taking notes, you should certainly mark First Colossians uh, sorry, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, starting verse 16. It says in there, for by him, referring to Jesus, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You hear of his power, his majesty, his might, his dominion. But this is not just the New Testament. This was prophesied also back in the Old Testament. That's why we have our reading from Daniel today. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given all dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. With these words, you should actually hear the very trumpets of heaven sounding the praise of Jesus Christ. You should hear the angels, the 
saints, the myriads of myriads before the throne, giving praise to Jesus, to him who sits on the throne and the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. You must let these words wash over you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You must grapple with these words. See, In grappling with these words, you have but three choices, to paraphrase C.S. Lewis. Either this is a madman who said this, for who else would say that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him but a madman? Or he is a liar of the most audacious, audacious nature. Or you must come to the conclusion that he truly is Lord and that he is Lord of all. And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. See, you can't take these words in a casual manner. This is what he declares to his disciples. This is what he declares to you and me this very morning. So why do we take this great commission seriously? Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, given to Jesus, and he has declared this with his full authority. And this is what he says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, brothers and sisters, these words have been emphasized in different manners by different people for many, many years. And you know that when you emphasize things, it gives a different nuance. Children know this. Spouses know this as well. So, if, if your spouse says something like this, I want you to go now. You might hear that in a certain way. You also might hear in a certain way, I want you to go now. Or you also might hear, I want you to go now. You understand that subtlety, right? And it gives you a different impetus on how you follow out that statement. Children know this, spouses know this. So let me tell you how these words have been parsed out. So, some people emphasize go Go, therefore, and it often gets combined with all nations. So what you do is you get a lot of missionaries to go to all the other nations. And that's the emphasis they have with this great commission. Other people emphasize baptizing. So you're going to see a huge emphasis that we got to baptize, we got to baptize, we got to baptize, and that's their emphasis. Other people really focus on the teaching part. And we're just going to really have schools and teach them. But what is missing in all of this? Do you know? Can you hear? Make disciples. When you read this in the original language, the command, the imperative, the what you must do is make disciples disciples. All those other words I just covered help you focus on this one goal and this one goal alone. 
Make disciples. It is the command of Jesus. It is what he said was his full authority in heaven and on earth. Make disciples. Now, this whole series is going to be really about following Jesus and, and being a disciple. But let's at least start this morning with what a disciple is and is not. So we're going to at least lay some groundwork. Here's what a disciple is not. A disciple is not one who only likes a vague notion of Christianity. This is the type of person who says, you know, I guess Christianity is kind of true, but other religions might be true and so forth. Remember, I talked about how some people even say that there are Christian Buddhists, as if that means something. This is that vague notion of, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, Christianity, sure. That's not a disciple. A disciple is not simply a churchgoer. Now, I've said this before, say it again. Standing in a garage does not make you a car, just like standing in a church does not make you a disciple. You see, people who simply go to church say something like this. Well, I guess Christianity is true. And it's good to go to church. I do it because it seems right. And it's just, you know, it's what my parents did. It's, it's this thing that I just do. And occasionally I help out if I'm asked. But Jesus never commanded, go therefore and make churchgoers, did he? He didn't. Now, is churchgoing vital? Yes, actually, if you're a disciple, you know that churchgoing and being together with the assembly is vital to your health and to your faith. So, a disciple is not simply a churchgoer, and a disciple is a person, is, is not a person who takes God's word casually. Is that right? Said that right? They don't, a, a disciple, someone who isn't a disciple just casually takes God's word. They kind of go, yeah, you know, Bible, whatever. See, what did Jesus talk about when listening to his word? He gave them the parable in Matthew 13. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And what is being sowed, by the way? The word. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Someone who takes God's word casually is not a disciple, and their faith thus often gets scorched and withered away. So what is a disciple? A disciple is a person who's been born again through the gospel. That they know the gospel. That they know that they are sinners before a holy God. And it is only because of Jesus and his death and resurrection that they are saved by grace through faith, not anything that they have done. And now we've covered that extensively the past few weeks, but the gospel is preeminent. And they are born again through the gospel. A disciple is someone who, uh, that the name of Jesus is on their lips. Recently, there was a, a young woman that I know, and she... Um, she got rebaptized, and although there are some theological issues, I believe, with being rebaptized as an adult, she posted on Facebook how happy she was and how much she loved God and God loved her. And what was missing in all of this? 
was Jesus. Why did she get rebaptized? I don't know exactly why. Maybe God is working on her, but quite absent from any of her testimony was the name of Jesus. You see, in our culture today, it's really easy to be spiritual in general. Oh yeah, I believe in God, but when you name the name of Jesus, that's the dividing line between someone who is a disciple and not a disciple. A disciple proclaims Christ and him crucified. A disciple is one who diligently studies at the foot of his master, who learned from God's word throughout their lifetime. See, a disciple says Christianity is true with a capital T. I'm a sinner saved by grace alone. Jesus is Lord and Savior. And I study his word. I learn from him. And I'm learning to follow him day in and day out. See, the goal of making disciples is to bring people into a relationship with Jesus where they acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. They sit at his feet. They listen to his word. They grow to know him intimately and follow his commands. This is a disciple. Disciples are one who say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation unto all who believe. And the more you sit in that and being a disciple, the more you grow in your faith, the more you are bold in your faith. So Jesus said, in my full authority, do this, make disciples. That is the what. Now let's go to who. It says, of all nations. Now, there are two who's to answer here. Who are supposed to be disciples and who are supposed to make disciples? The first one's actually very straightforward. We are to make disciples of everyone. Let me ask you a very simple question. Does all mean all? Yeah. Does all mean all? Yes, all means all, doesn't it? We shouldn't even have to think about all means all. Where we get tripped up a little bit is on that word nations, because we think of the government states, so to speak, that we have throughout the world and those particular nations. And so thus we think that we must all travel to another nation to be able to make disciples. But really when the sense of this word nation is people who are together under a common culture, a common heritage, it could be the nation of Phoenix, right? The Phoenicians. I just like saying that word. But it could be that. It could be this state. So it does not necessarily mean you must travel to a foreign country to make disciples. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but other countries are now sending missionaries over here to the United States. That should tell you about the state of the United States. All right, so let's go to the second question. Who is to do this? Who is to make disciples? And now this is where you squirm in your seats, right? Here's the thing. We have somehow come under the illusion that making disciples is for the professionals. It is for the pastor or maybe the youth pastor 
or the church in general, whatever that church in general mean, means, it's that, but it's somebody else's job. And that's what we've done with discipleship. We have made discipleship somebody else's job. And the other thing we have done with discipleship, we have made it just church going. What's your job? Oh, to bring people to church. Well, that's good. We want that, yes? Yes, we want that. That's not the end goal, though. You see, you can fill a church, but not make disciples. But when you make disciples, you fill a church. And that's how that one works. So discipleship is everybody's job. Now let's break this down just a little bit because most people are going to equate discipleship with evangelism. And when I say when I say discipleship, you hear evangelism like you somehow now have to go door to door. And of course, nobody wants to do that because you're either going to be a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, right? <laughs> My God, I don't want to do that. And so thus, when you hear that, you mitigate and minimize the command, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Is evangelism part of discipleship? Yes. But the downfall of, divi- of dividing evangelism and discipleship, it means you have a lot of converts who say, yep, I believe in Jesus, I trust in Jesus, and that's all that happens. They never grow as disciples of Christ. So discipleship happens everywhere you go. It is with all of your people that you would meet. It is especially important for families. It is especially important that mothers and fathers disciple, not just raise, but disciple their children. It is especially important that grandparents do the same. Timothy was writing to his protege, uh, sorry, Paul was writing to his protege, Timothy, and he said this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Discipleship must happen in families. We can't regulate that to someone else. Discipleship must happen with your neighbors. It should happen, and by the way, it can happen in the workplace. I know. People have told me stories about how they've been able to disciple in the workplace. And I'm not talking about evangelism, but I'm talking about helping one, mentoring, walking alongside somebody to help them grow in their faith. This is where discipleship happens. It's the pattern that Jesus gave to his disciples. Because a lot of people are going to want to mitigate this too. They're going to say, well, Jesus was just giving that command to his disciples. Didn't have anything to do with me. But no. Remember, what is a disciple? A disciple is one who follows all of the commands of Christ, right? Who learns to do that. And thus, this has been been the pattern for 2,000 years. Paul, again, writing to Timothy 
what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's why we call it an apostolic church. We are being taught and taught and taught and taught discipleship through all of us. So here's an illustration. It's an old one. You might have heard of it before, but it might help bring home the point. Just after Jesus got back from heaven, he saw the angel Gabriel. Gabriel said, Jesus, it's wonderful to have you with us here now. How to go on earth. And Jesus said, it was magnificent. All the work that the Father had entrusted to me, I did. I proclaimed the kingdom of God. I healed the lame, restored sight to the blind. I raised the dead. I proclaimed forgiveness of sin through me. And then I died on the cross for everyone's sin. But death didn't hold me. I was buried, but on the third day I rose again, all to the glory of God. And Gabriel was just overcome, and he fell at his knees and worshipped him, and he said, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But then some doubt crept into Gabriel's mind. He said, but, but now that you're here, what's going to happen? Is your work going to continue? And Jesus said, of course. I entrusted and I gave a command to my disciples to go and make more disciples. And Gabriel said, but, but what if they don't do that? I mean, do, do you, sorry to ask Jesus, but do you have a backup plan? She said, Gabriel, I don't have a backup plan. That is the plan. Who? To make disciples of all nations. Who is to do it? You, we, together. So how are we to do this? We are to go, baptize, and teach. By the way, right now you might be thinking the message was just fine up until this last part where you included me. Right? Got some uneasiness about all of that. But how do we do this? Because you might be saying, well, look, I'm not equipped to make disciples. And what? You know what? You might not. But it would be your role then to become equipped. So let's talk about that just briefly. The first thing is go. Now, as I mentioned, a lot of people take this word go, and it means to go to some other nation. But literally, in a literal manner, the, the wording is as you go along your way. That's the first go. As we go along our way. So, some of you have told me about uh, going to different stores and having people ask you about your faith. You know, as I go along the way, you want to know one of my favorite places is the doctor's office. Because when the doctor's within me, he's trapped and so am I. And actually, with my previous doctor, I just asked him, so what do you think about faith? And we had a good conversation. I gave him the case for Christ. He actually read it. Now, when I, do a, when I did a follow-up, which is like a year later, okay. But, but, you know, you still start to plant some seeds, praying that God will make it fruitful and grow. 
but just as you go along your way, the people you bump into. It's amazing how many people are open just to have conversations about faith. By the way, at Christmas and Easter with your family, this is no better time because you have the permission to talk about it. So that's just the beginning, remember? It is just the beginning of the conversation. The other is baptized. Now, it's not my intent today to talk about all the doctrines regarding baptism, but I just want you to notice that it is not optional. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be baptized. It is not an option. And notice, you are to baptize in the full name of God. You are to baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It is the fullness of God within baptism. That alone should tell you how important that is. And then finally, it is to teach, to observe them, to have people observe the fullness of God's word. Look, if you are not interested in God's word, I guarantee you that being a disciple is casual at best. The people who are growing as disciples in Christ Jesus are those who have a hunger and thirst for his word. We're going to talk about more of that in another time. But I I want you to go to Ephesians, if you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So this is the importance of teaching Because a lot of people think it's the professionals who are supposed to do all the work. But in fact, it's not. Our job is to equip. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and and, and of knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. We are to grow and be equipped into the fullness of Christ Jesus. Look, this is pretty simple when you think about it, this whole message today. Why? because of Christ's authority. And if you, if you skip over that, I guarantee you, you will minimize the rest. What are we to do? The whole emphasis on make disciples. It's not a one and done thing. It is a lifetime. See, what would it be like when we talk to people and say, do you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And are you willing to give your whole life, your entire life, to be his disciple and to learn and grow into his likeness? That's very different. We are, who is to do this? Who who is to be a disciple? Everyone. And who is to do it? You, 
me, together. And how? Well, we go, as we go along our way, and we make sure we baptize, and we teach them to the fullness. And we should take great comfort in all of this, because Christ also says that he will be with us to the end of the age. He will not leave us alone on this task. Because it is through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that this is all possible. So three questions for you this morning. Now that we've covered this a little bit, what does it mean to be a disciple? In what areas do you need to grow in being a disciple of Jesus? Because I guarantee you, as you grow, your faith will grow and you will get more opportunities to actually mentor, coach, disciple others. And finally, what steps will you take in making disciples? Pray for opportunities. This is a prayer that God will answer. Let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ Jesus. We pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are all growing deeper as disciples, and we heed the words to make disciples. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. 